you guys can clap. <laughs> Wasn't that a great song? Um, super powerful. I, so this week, I, I'm sure all of you have had super crazy weeks. 
I've had four Christmas parties this, this week, and one of them I hosted. So it's really hard to remember that, that that's the reason. This is the reason for this season. The line in there, for help is on its way, and holy is his name. Let that wash over you this season. It's so important to not get caught up in the craziness that is Christmas in America. Um, and just really let that wash over us. So welcome. I'm Holly. Thank you for coming today. Um, if you're new, we're super excited you're here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are a new visitor with us, go ahead and check us out at Starting Point. We have a free gift for you, and we'd love to meet you and connect with you. Uh, my name is Jill, and uh, something we're really excited about going on here in Kensington is um, the leadership gathering coming up in January. Mark your calendars. It's January 19th and 20th. Um, the theme. For what is the leadership gathering? I'm going to tell you. Do you want to okay. know? Yes. All right. I'll tell you. Do you guys want to know what leadership gathering is? Who's been to leadership gathering? Raise your oh, hand. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of, right? And it's amazing. It is amazing. It's a great time to um, get filled up, to learn about what's happening, what's new in Kensington, and really get motivated on how to thrive to be a good leader and to move forward and um, really just to get it's rejuvenated. It's rejuvenating, right? Totally. It is. It it's is. Energizing. It's energizing. So you can go to kensingtonchurch.org slash lead. Go ahead and register, guys. You won't regret it. If you're serving on any team or leading any team, it's for you. Yes. Okay? Yep. Um, so Christmas yeah. uh, next week. So it's that's, crazy, that's right? a little frightening, isn't I know, it? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So it's um, right around the corner. We at our campus have four services that we're excited that you guys are going to join us for. And this video will give you a great glimpse into what our Christmas service is about. So you can share that with your neighbors and your family. Yeah. So check this out. All right. Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year right? Wonderful? Not sure I would always describe it that way. Shopping, busyness, your dreaded office Christmas party, stress, getting your house ready for family, cramming for finals, spending too much money, long hours at the office, year-end number crunching, tension in your relationships. If I'm honest, I have to say that there have been moments in the midst of the craziness around Christmas that I've wondered if life would be easier if Christmas had just never come. Would our lives just be simpler and more peaceful without all the insanity of this season? What if December 25th was just another day? This year, we're going to take you on a journey where we look at a world where Christmas never came. What if Jesus Christ was never born? What would be different? We will look at the impact of the life of Jesus Christ and to how he changed human history. You will be amazed at what we uncover. You won't want to miss Christmas at Kensington this year. The team has been working hard on designing a service with your friends and neighbors in mind. There'll be music, video, drama, lighting, and a beautiful response moment that really captures this idea of not only Jesus not being born, but also gives us moments to celebrate the fact that he was born. Don't miss the laughter, the truth, and the wonder of Christmas. Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, grab your tickets as we explore a world in which December 25th is anything but just another day. So like I said earlier, we have four Christmas services here at our campus. The 23rd, we have one at 7 p.m. Just an FYI, that service, we have no children's programming. Right. 
And for all of the services, your elementary age kids will come in with you. It's they're super interactive. Christmas is one of my favorite services at Kensington. So the 23rd, we have 7 p.m. And then on the 24th, we have 9, 11, and 1. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and all three of those services will have kids programming for birth through four and five-year-olds. Um, yeah. Awesome. They're amazing services. Don't forget to get tickets yes. online. Yep. It just really helps us know which service people are going to and invite your friends and family to also get tickets. Yeah. It's a super easy invite to bring people to Kensington Christmas. It, yeah. it really is. It is. It is. And you're not going to want to miss the service. It's Absolutely. Service. So good. Yeah. So as we're preparing our hearts um, for the Christmas season, um, today is the final um, Sunday on the heart of uh, Christmas. It's been really preparing us. Uh, right as we lead into Christmas. So the first week we talked about joy. The second week we talked about peace. And today Jeremiah is going to lead us and um, talk to us about love, agape love. Um, what do you we, have in your hand, I have Jill? something really special in my hand. It's such a God moment. I'm super excited that I want to share with you. Um, so like Holly was saying earlier, we go through the Christmas season and it's stressful because of all of the to-dos that we have. Um, I'm going to get Don't emotional. Don't cry. Sorry. <laughs> That's so weird. Um, Christmas isn't always um, a happy time uh, for people that have lost somebody. So Super um, hard. It's hard. So you're maneuvering through grief. Um, I lost my brother a couple years ago, so this is another Christmas that we share together as a family with one less. Um, so on top of all the regular to-dos... Um, there's this little thing in the back of the head that says, no, you just keep on going because it, it's a beautiful time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had one of my favorite little guys, Jackson. I love him um, too. He's so sweet. He just came up to me right before the service and said, Miss Jill, Miss Jill, I have a Christmas present for you. And I open it up and he's from our Kaleo program. And if you were here for our Kaleo, it was all about joy. You guys, he got me an ornament that says joy. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect timing. Jackson, you have no idea. This is going to go front and center on my Christmas tree because I need to remember that Jesus came here in order for us to find love and joy and peace. Awesome. And we want to share it with you. So come back for Christmas services. Yeah. So can everybody just stand up really quick, shake hands with somebody next to you, love on them and enjoy the service. Awesome. Hey, good morning, everybody. How you doing? That good, eh? All right. Well, it's good to see you too. <laughs> so, hey, it is near Christmas time. Let me ask you guys a question. I ask you a question. Uh, how many of you ever, and be honest, okay, how many of you ever said that four-letter word and you meant it? Raise your hand. Look at, I'm not talking about that four-letter word, (laughs) but thank you for your honesty. I'm talking about the four-letter word that we're talking about today. We talked about joy, peace, and today we're talking about what? Love. 
that word right there, I got some of you, didn't I? Last service too, this lady was like, I've said it. <laughs> oh man, I love you guys, how honest you are. Uh, but love is such an interesting thing. And in fact, in, in, in scripture, one of the most famous verses that have been shared all over the place, for God so what? Loved the world. And it was, it's like a big statement because he, he so loved Not just like the United States or this group of people or you or me, but all of us, the cosmos, the world. And it's like large. And and this time of the year is when of any time of the year that we're hoping that love would be on the forefront of our minds, of people's minds and people's hearts. Uh, It's interesting, isn't it? Just about love. And we talk about, and when we think of love, ladies, be honest about this one for real. How many of you are into Hallmark movies right now? Right? You can raise your hands. Look at at the whole crowd. People are like, guys, it's okay. I've been watching them too. Come on, fellas, raise your hand if you've been watching Hallmark movies. If you're watching them by yourselves, I don't know. But, you know, no, with your wives, right? And so... And it's so great. Marie and I will always kind of cuddle up and she'll want to watch a Hallmark movie. And uh, the leading characters will be like, the lady will come on and say hi. And she'll tell her name and it's like, Holly Christmas. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and, and she'll meet the guy, right? And, uh, and, and it's always interesting too. He's like, hi, I'm Nicholas Kringle, but my, my first name's really Christopher, but I go by my middle name. Wait, Holly Christmas and Chris Kringle? You know, it's like a Hallmark movie, right? And it's supposed to embody love. And we're captured by love. We really are. Love can seem so elusive, but we're always captured by it. Like even now, uh, like I see all throughout the media that Prince Harry is going to get married to Meghan Markle, right? And it's all over the news, and it's like there's something about in our hearts. We go back to like, you know, Disney World, like Disney movies, like, oh, fairy tale, you know? uh, Come on, ladies, honestly, would you really want to marry a prince and live in a castle and do all that kind of stuff? By the way, don't raise your hands if you're already married. (laughs) Look at the guys. They're what? You know? There's something magical about it. There's something I really am convinced it's wired into our hearts that we, we desire love, we want love, you know. And as we talk about love today, we're, we're going to go on kind of a journey together today, okay? We're going to do kind of a two-part journey. We're going to talk about love, and then just probably about 15 or 16 minutes from now, uh, we're going to show you love with one of our global partners in India about love and action. But right now, we're just going to talk about love for a moment. And talking about love, we have to kind of define love a little bit, because love comes in forms and types, doesn't it? And somebody might say all shapes and sizes. That, and love, I remember that when I first met Maria, uh, I, I met her in this place, uh, and we were in Nashville, Tennessee. We went on this trip together. And, and Nashville was great. It's, uh, every, oh, Philadelphia's called the City of Brotherly Love, like Philea. Like, it's, it's interesting, because that kind kind of love was like in the air in Nashville. People just like liked each other and it was polite and Southern hospitality. It was great. But Maria and I were experiencing another type of love. It's called like Eros, like the attraction love. Like I, I, I remember seeing her and I thought, she's so beautiful. She has amazing, she does. She has like this amazing hair and I love it. And I saw her skin and I'm, I'm telling you, it was without blemish and her lips and I'm on stage. I got to stop. So anyhow, but I like, right? I like, but I, I just, I was attracted to her and I, well, I just, I don't know, man. And, and her and I were there and we were on this mission trip thing and kind of, we're, we're trying to do a good thing there. And, and we went to Subway. We stopped at Subway and we got a sub and, and we saw this gentleman that was outside the front door and you could tell that he was probably homeless or he certainly was without. And something struck both of us in our hearts in, in, in a desperate way. We, are, we just thought, oh my gosh, we've got to do something for this guy. And not because we're great people, but we just knew in that moment we had to do something. And so we, we bought a, a Subway gift card and a bunch of, a couple subs and a pop and chips, and we gave it to him. And, and, I, and I remember just telling him, like, you don't need to do anything in return. You don't have to, here you go. And I'm not saying that changed his life or anything, but it's, 
it captured the moment that told me and reminded me that love is something bigger than just, hey, how you doing? And there's no interaction, but we're all good with each other. And love is even greater than eros. It's greater than the law of attraction. It's bigger than that. Love is the highest form of charity when we get to God's heart. It's agape. It's a Greek word that means really in two parts, that love is unconditional and that love is really unstoppable in its nature and very essence. And so when we speak today on love and the heart of love and really the heart of God, that this love is agape love. And it's so interesting to say, what does it look like? And I'm going to just read you a passage. And before I get to it, it's, it's from a guy named Paul. And a lot of us know this as the Apostle Paul or, 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 or Paul an ambassador or St. Paul in, in many arenas as he's known. And he wrote a letter that really we're going to read, kind of a love letter. And there's one love letter he wrote that many of you know, you've heard at weddings in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. But this is another letter that he wrote to a group of people. And so today we can almost envision that he's really written this letter for you and I to read and hear and, and think about love in maybe a different way this season. And he's writing it from the most interesting place because it's very a powerful letter, but he's writing it from being in jail. He's really writing it from a place of arrest, literally, and, and being in a place where you think you wouldn't write about love and talk about that, but he is. And he's sending it to people to understand that, hey, love is agape. Love is, in fact, in this first kind of half that we're going to share about love, unconditional. He says this. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort come from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He introduces this concept of love. He's saying, God has loved us in this unconditional way. And some of us, it's important to be reminded of that. We can forget that. Or we can think love with God is conditional, right? Conditional love says this, that, hey, if you're really great to me and you're nice to me and I'll be nice to you and we can reciprocate, then I'll love you. Well, duh, anybody can do that. But if I look to you and say, you don't like me, you're, you're kind of rude to me, you know, you, you've not been really the greatest guy. I'm just kidding, by the way, you're probably a terrific guy, but you know, but you've shortchanged me, you've done this. And then I say, but I'm, so I'm not going to love you. It's like, wait, but unconditional says, no, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm still going to love you. And Paul is introducing, he says, this is really the way for a lot of us Whatever preconceived notion we've had about how God loves us, it's not conditional. It's the opposite. It's unconditional love. This time of the year, right, you go to a Christmas party and it's like a gift exchange, right? And we bring a gift. Can you imagine going and giving a gift and everybody gets a gift but you? Uh, would you walk out of the party and be happy? Probably not, <laughs> if we're honest. But, but this is the whole concept. It's like a gift exchange where you're saying, no strings attached. I don't need anything in return at all. It's okay. We had a gentleman from our campus, and I won't say his name because he didn't want to be known, but he called me a couple nights ago. Remember when we had kind of a big snowstorm uh, a couple nights ago, and, and it was snowing like crazy, and he called me and said, is there anybody you know that would be stuck? They can't get out of their house. And, 
you know, could, could, could I go plow the driveway and take care of him? I said, yeah. And I, I text our staff thread and, you know, a bunch of the staff said this person, that person. And one of them uh, is an incredible lady named Judith. And she's actually in Nashville, Tennessee right now visiting with her daughter. But she was uh, just home alone. And what's so great about Judith, she's an amazing person. But she had lost her husband a year ago. She's part of her family, part of her community. She has this really long driveway. And she goes, I literally, I called her. I said, Judith, could we, could we you know, plow your driveway and help you out? And she said, you're not going to believe this. I was literally getting ready to drive to my daughter's because I'm going to the airport in the morning. She's going to take me. I said, you're, you're going to drive in the middle of a snowstorm? She said, yeah, but first I've got to shovel my whole driveway. I said, shovel your drive, Judith. You know, and I said, listen, there's a guy that's going to come over. And it was so great. She had asked. She said, can I give him anything? Can, can, can I pay him? Can I make him a dinner? Can I, can I do something for him? And I said, no, it's, it's one of those things where there's no strings attached. You don't have to do that for him at all. And he was so happy to do it. It was like really a form. My heart was inspired. I'm like, this is unconditional love. And, and when we see unconditional love in action, it's really a beautiful thing. And, and it, he literally cleared her driveway. He talked her out of driving to her daughters that night and to drive in the morning and she made it to the airport okay. But I just know for a fact, because she had called and let me know what that meant to her. She said JJ would normally do that. Her husband, that, her late husband, would normally have done that. Thanks for thinking of me. See, love thinks of others, and it thinks of others in an unconditional way. It just does. This is the heart of God that Paul is sharing. Our friend of mine and our, our lead pastor over Clinton Township, Chris Sarball, who's an amazing guy, was sharing a story of a funeral that he had done uh, for a lady, a sweet lady who had died, and she had MS. And, uh, and, and the gentleman that had, the husband of this lady, uh, really took great care of her for 20, almost 23-plus years. And really, even the job he had was able to do a lot of it from home and just took care of her and loved her and cared for her. And she was really got to a point where she was really not able to reciprocate or, or offer or do anything around the home or kind of, you know, exchange. And this really became a true picture of unconditional love. And, and when asked about it, they said, was it ever tough? Was it ever difficult? And I'm sure, yeah, right, yeah, that would be difficult and tough. But he said, when I reflect and I think on it, it was really the greatest privilege of my life. What is he saying? The greatest privilege of his life that he got to experience was unconditional love. I mean, this is like, this is countercultural. This is counterintuitive. What Jesus brought to us, what Paul was sharing, what we're talking about, love, when it's in its unconditional form, is unbelievable. And I would just... I'd ask you, because I'm really asking myself, what would that look like in my life, in your life, in your home? Unconditional love. When you get in an argument with your spouse and you stop and say, you know what, I'm going to humble myself and value you more than me. I'm going to concede in this argument. I'm going to let it go. What unconditional love look like in your family? This time of the year when families have to get together, sometimes they say families are forced together, right, in a room. What would it look like to say that it doesn't matter who is right or wrong about this debate or argument or bitterness we've had for all these years, but I, I unconditionally, I'm just, I just want to love you. I just want peace. Like, I just want unconditional love. I surrender. I, I value you above me. And Paul says this is like, this is the nature of love. But it goes further in this too. So he picks up, and I'm just going to take a small excerpt of, he gives a little insight about love in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. He says there's really a second half or a second part of the whole of agape love. It's not just unconditional. He says there's something else to it. He says it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always, watch this word, perseveres, perseveres. It always perseveres. You say, what is so important about this part of love that Paul is sharing. 
it's the greatest part of like in movies, right? I, how many of you are a fan of Braveheart, right? I mean, I, I feel like one of the greatest movies ever. And it's, it's amazing because it's like this love story and this action movie all together. But what makes it so powerful is that he unconditionally really loved his wife and she unconditionally loved him and you saw that. But there was an unstoppable thing about him too that he persevered. Like he was going to like love no matter what, not just his wife, but his country. Nothing could stop him. And I, I love this, right? Like, like pulling out the swords and fighting and going crazy. And then there's romance and it's, it's like best of both worlds, isn't it? Really it is. It's agape love. Not exactly, but part of it is in this unstoppable way. And I, I love that about love because love really does win in the end. Love really is powerful. There's a part of us in our hearts. I was talking to, to, to Mark Nelson's daughter earlier, Jordan, a good friend of mine, and we were talking about this time of the year. It's like we desperately want love to win. We desperately need love in our life. We desperately need love to show up and be part of our situation. Whatever you walked in here with this place in today, I promise you, love is not just unconditional. It doesn't say, ah, you did this, you can't be part. Nope, you're going through this. Love says, come to me. Come to me, right? And it says this too, that I'll find a way to meet you. Let me show you what Paul kind of hits in the second part of his letters. And again, he's in prison writing this, but he's overwhelmed with love and joy. He says this in Philippians 2, verse 6, who, referring to Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You say, is that a big deal? That's a big deal because God said, nothing is going to stop me from coming to you. He left heaven to come to earth. He left all the royalty and power of heaven and of God and of his rightful heir. He said, even though I am God, he says, like, I don't even consider it equality. I would trade it all. And he did trade it all in so he could be with us, with you. It's unstoppable. You know, I, I read a story I was reminded of. It was printed a year ago, and it was a recap from something that took place years before that. Story of a little girl named Cecilia. She got onto uh, an airplane in August 16, 1987. She got on this plane in Detroit, Michigan, Northwest Airlines, flight number 255. She was a little four-year-old girl, and she was with her mom and dad and older brother. And they made their way. They probably went through security like many of you have and walked down, waited in the terminal, and got on that plane uh, like many of us have, right? And she got in, she buckled in, and she sat next to mom because she wanted to be right next to mom. And, and dad sat in the aisles over next to, next to big brother. And they buckled up, and they waited for their permission, right, to go. And sure enough, just like always, like the, uh, the pilot gets on and says, hey, we've, we've been granted permission from the tower. We're able to take off and go. So here we go. And they just figured we're going back to Phoenix, Arizona, their home. They were here in Michigan, right, where we live. Uh, to visit family and, and hang out. And so the flight began to take off. And as it went up and it accelerated and it made it off the runway and it took off. And all of a sudden something was beyond turbulence in that plane and began to have a malfunction. And it turned down to flight 255, Northwest Airlines, turned to the left and it crashed to a road. And 155 souls had passed that day. He said, well, what's so remarkable about this story? What's so unstoppable? Where does love find its way in this story? See, what's remarkable is Cecilia was four years old. She's 29 years old today. You're saying she survived? She was the only survivor. In fact, a firefighter had found her whimpering and crying with a broken arm, holding her arm up in the rubble. Investigators had pressed in and said, how is this possible? How could she survive this and nobody else did? 
And finally, investigators came to the only conclusion they could have with tons of energy and, and time from expert views and opinions and consultations. And they said, I know what happened. The investigator says that she was four years old and she climbed on her mom's lap. Mom looked over with love in her eyes to her daughter and said, knew something was wrong and put her on her lap. And it said that Cecilia was facing into her mom. It's where her mom had grabbed her like this. And when the plane had crashed, the investigator said, I don't know how, but because the mom was holding on so tight and the only way a mother could to her child, took the impact of that crash. When the flames came through, it said that she also took the impact and the heat of the fire that she must have tucked her inside of her wool sweater. And that when that takes place, that when the fire comes in, it will evacuate all the oxygen out and it's gone completely. And said, well, how did she breathe? said that she must have took the mother's last breath in that place and that she was able to make it. She survived. And that when that firefighter found her in the rubble, he couldn't believe. So this is a miracle. And the investigators that say, this really is a story of love. Cecilia is alive because of love. Because love was unconditional. Mom said, it doesn't matter about me. It matters about you. Love was unstoppable. Mom said, I'm going to leave everything I know, my own protection and safety like Jesus did for us and grab a hold of you and protect you. Jesus does that for us. He grabs us in his arms if we'll let him, and he takes the impact the world wants to bring. The fires and the trials that this world can bring that many of you are going through right now. Jesus says, trust me, and I can protect you from those. Have you ever had it where you can't breathe? You can't even get breath in your lungs because you're devastated, you're hurt, or you've given up, and you've, you're hopeless, right? And you say, what do I do? And Jesus says, I'll put breath in your lungs like Celia's mom did. This is a picture of love. See, we've talked about love, but I want to show you, you say, does love like that still exist? Can love like that still be going on in this world, this time at Christmas, when our hearts, all of our hearts, hope and desire and find themselves even desperate for this kind of love? The answer is yeah. See, we get the privilege today to show you the second part of our journey right now. It's a story that's taking place of love, not just here, because there are many beautiful stories here that take place, but over there too in India. It's one of our global partners with our good friend Jaya, who's been part of our Kensington family for 20 years. And we're going to watch agape, love, unconditional and unstoppable working. Our lead pastor, Steve Andrews, is going to introduce this story to you. And he, I just love hearing from him because he was so blown away that he couldn't believe could love actually make a change in somewhere that seemed hopeless. And together we're going to find out the answer to that. Watch this. When I landed in India in the year 2000, nothing prepared me for what I was to see. The overwhelming crush of people, the unbelievable needs apparent visually everywhere. And my first and instant response was a feeling of hopelessness. Like what could anybody do to overcome the needs that are so present here? And then I began to see what Jaya and the team at Christ Evangelical Mission have been doing for decades. You know, we've helped them plant 500 churches. We've been a part of beautiful ministries of caring for orphans and for the homeless. And in recent years, the compassion ministry of bringing in old people who had basically been left to die to come and live in what they would consider paradise. It's a picture of love overwhelming hopelessness. And as I invite you to give to Kensington here, to make a year-end Christmas gift, here's what I want you to know. This would not be possible without your participation. This is your story. When we give, when we give sacrificially, when we intentionally say, we're going to invest our lives in something that breaks the walls of hopelessness down, 
This is one of those things that changes everything. A few years ago, I got to go back and see again of what our giving does. Our giving is changing the world. Not just one person at a time, not just one child at a time, but one old person at a time. Old people who consider themselves as having no value now know that in Jesus Christ, they're of infinite worth. I want to thank you again because with you, we get to share Christ's love with the world. And we know that Christ's love changes everything. most populated country in the world. It's home to more than 1.3 billion people. With an average income of only $616 a year, many people live in poverty. Facing a growing income inequality gap and little to no opportunity, families often find children and the elderly as too much of a burden to care for. Abandoned and on the streets, they won't survive unless someone intervenes. At the center of all Indian culture is Hinduism, the world's oldest religion. With over one billion practicing Hindus and a rigid four-tier caste system, religion is inseparable from all aspects of daily life in India. There are many gods, there are 30 million gods. So people have their own choices to choose their own god. Whatever god I like, I buy from Walmart and keep it. If I don't want, I throw away that god, go to Walmart, get a new god. So how does one improve their status in Hinduism? There is a belief that they go to a temple then they offer some money and they think their bad karma gone, their sins are forgiven. Mostly Hinduism believe in karma, so whatever the a person facing and experiencing their poverty, malnutrition, maybe physical infirmity, they feel we have a bad karma. We have to experience that. There is no remedy for that. We have to face it because you did bad karma in a previous life or this life. Jaya Sankar is the leader of Christ Evangelical Mission in the city of Dalaswarm. Known as CEM, his ministry is addressing a multitude of needs in the community by housing over 300 orphans, constructing and running a hospital, and operating a primary school, among others. One of CEM's fastest growing ministries is the Agape Home a care facility for the elderly. Along with Naveen Kamari, Jaya is working to get Dallas Farm's elderly community off the streets and cared for. Many places in India, children are abandoned and elderly people are abandoned. And some people don't have food, don't have clothes. Naveen, when these, when these older people are put out on the streets, what do you think they're feeling? So they feel um, very... Sadly, we are just a dust 
in our relatives' eyesight. There is no more future. Some people go to suicide also. It's very heartbreaking, terrible situation. They spent all their life to bring up their children for their welfare. They pour out all their life. But the children grown up, they forget what their parents did for them. Just kick their parents away from, from their house. Just out on the street, you're on your own? Yes. Sometimes maybe a son will take the mother on the car or the bus somewhere. Mom, sit here, I'll come back. He never show up. And sometimes the children lock their house. Mom, you sit here, just we come back. They go to somewhere. Maybe two weeks, three weeks. They may not come to open the door. What she does, he does. Just sitting in front of the locked door, having nothing to eat. Terrible life. Hearing stories of how the elderly of India can be thrown out on the streets by their own families and left to fend for themselves is truly disturbing. But thankfully, there is hope. There are people like Jaya, Naveen, and a whole group of others that are being the hands and feet of Jesus to the elderly community in Dallas Worm. So you actually go out and look for people that have been abandoned on the streets, and you bring them right then in their home? Yes. So why do you guys do that? Why, why do you feel compelled to love that group? So in Matthew 25, Jesus says, When I sick, you came. When I uh, hungry, you came. When I thirsty, you came. Yes. Uh, if we do that, it will be glory to Jesus. So you believe, you're doing it because you believe that's what Jesus would do? Yes. When we bring them to home, the more loving person is here. His name is Jesus. He loves you. He did not abandon you like your family. The Agape home is quite a contrast from the busy streets of India. Here, the residents are cared for and loved. The term Agape is a Greek word meaning unconditional or sacrificial love. The old people cannot give anything to uh, who care for them. So it's like uh, Jesus loves everyone, but he does not uh, uh, think about what, he, what they give back. So he only put on his life with sacrificial love. So that's why agape is only giving, not expect anything from them. We not only speak, but we show our love in action. This is talking and with deeds, helping the people. I want to have a bath for you. You can go to the house. 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 You can go Indigada Narcondi, Parastitra Bagaleka, Ekurpochaka Parlogra Jimolo Undertona.
Can you tell us a little bit about your daughter, Deep Thee's connection to going over there and her heart for those people? And she's grown up maybe around eight, nine years old. She independently visited the Agape home and sit with them, talking to them. What's your, what's your name? How is your health? Are you okay today? And do you have any need? Some people say, yeah, I don't have pest. You don't have pest? Okay, wait. When I ask her, why Deepthi, you are doing all these things? Daddy, when I see these elderly people, I don't know. I'm getting some kind, of, some kind of compassion. I don't know why. I think that God is preparing a second line leaders to look after that elderly home. When I came here, God opened the more doors and more places to serve Him uh, in the children, in the elder people, in the community. So all these things I'm doing for the God's glory because He gave me a life to me. So He filled my, he filled my heart with uh, His grace and love. Jesus command two main commandments love God and love people so through the CEM it will be done what is true love and where do you go to find it? Jesus said that greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. In the book of Romans, Paul reminds us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In the writings of John, we discover that God showed his love for us by giving his one and only Son. And by this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us as we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It's clear that the kind of love God is calling us to is agape love, sacrificial love, love without expectation the highest form of love. Just as Jesus laid down his life for us, he is calling us to lay down our lives for one another. True love costs us something. Just like our friends Jaya, Naveen, and Deepthi have shown us, love's greatest concern is always someone else. Jesus tells us that the way people will know that we are his followers is by how we love each other. So let's follow in the footsteps of both Jesus and our friends in India and truly learn to love our neighbor.
it brings new meaning to not just talk about love, but to see love in action like that. I love that he had said, Jaya's partner had said, that your family may have forgotten about you, but Jesus has not. And he quoted Matthew 25, and it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. They were completely forgotten by the people that were supposed to love them. The people that they raised and cared for the most left them alone and devalued them and did everything opposite that love would have. Jaya is there, which is an incredible part I want to tell you, by the way, is that that story that's taking place, Jaya, who has been running that ministry for 20-plus years that is really part of our Kensington family in a more specific and real way is really part of your life, too. Because that story is not possible. I'm telling you, straight up, it is not possible. It would not take place if it had not been for the generosity for all these years from Kensington, which really means from you. And so for those that are on mission with us and that are giving and, and in this place, like you're making that possible. That story is as much about your generosity as about even Jaya's sacrificial approach to that minister over there. Many of you have maybe got this last week, but I wanted to ask you real quick, this Year in Giving booklet is really a collection of the work of God <coughs> that's going on in this place uh, and around this place. Do me a favor, will you raise your hand if you haven't gotten one of these that are ushers or be more than happy to give you one if you want to see some of these stories that are in there and you just slip your hand up and they'd be happy to hand you one of those right now. But in this booklet right here, it really tells stories uh, just like the story you just heard up there about agape love, about the kind of love that really is missing from the world that we need more than anything. Uh, I, I just I think to myself when I was watching that, my wife and I for a short season, I uh, was able to have the privilege to be a chaplain and she's a nurse and so she was a nurse at a place called Sanctuary at Bellbrook, and she was literally at the bedside many times of the elderly who were passing, who sometimes family didn't even show up and couldn't even be there, and she would be with them. I remember there was a gentleman named Ed that I would go visit all the time, and his family was spread across the United States, and, and I would visit with him, and we would talk, and I could never shake out of my mind and heart how lonely he seemed and felt almost abandoned. When I looked on the wall in his room, there was this picture on the wall of this super handsome strong man and this beautiful woman and it was his wife and it was him and he was a he was a law enforcement officer for many years and had three sons and they were again were the ones that were spread all over and and I'd sit and I'd talk to him and he had a stroke and so part of his face didn't work so well anymore and and he had a difficult time walking but as I sat and listened I, I, I just thought oh my gosh his life that he's lived the value that's there and love he had thought at moments had forgotten about him, but it really hadn't. And so for you and I, we get to be part of this place. We do. In fact, this time of the year, we always ask, uh, and we bring this up as a Christmas year in gift, and say, why do we do that? Say, so I knew it was going to be about money. No, it's more than that. It's about generosity. Because it's not just about places that we invest in. It's not about programs that we're part of. We are really saying we want to be generous because the heart of God, generosity is there for people. It's not places, it's not programs, but it's about people. It's about stories over there and stories here too. And so I wanted to just show you as you open this booklet before we get into it, there's a story of a gentleman named Bob. 
And of all the different stories of Caption, they're a part of our global partners, uh, our young adult community, our students, which is incredible that we invest in our breakaway our middle school and our high school students, our K-kids, all sorts of things. I mean, even in Nepal, sex trafficking, which is so powerful. But this one struck me because I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional home where alcohol ruled for many years. And Bob's story really resonated with me because Bob's story is one of freedom away from alcohol, freedom back to his family, freedom And because of generosity, that was possible through a Celebrate Recovery program that's part of Kensington. And so for me, for Marie and I, the reason that we do a year-end gift, the reason that we pray about it and ask God, what can we do, what can we afford, what can we sacrifice to give to, is because it's not, again, about programs or places, but it's about people that we want to invest in. And so I want to ask the ushers right now even to go ahead and come forward as we get ready to take the offering. Uh, And again, if you're part of this place and you're on mission here, this is for you this moment. If you're visiting and you're with us and our guests, we are so honored. You are here and you do not need to feel obligated. But as they do that, I want to show you there's a slide that'll come up here, but it's just, it really offers just this different ways to give. I literally had a gentleman asking me earlier today about different ways that he could actually do a year in gift. And it just goes through, there's, there's the Kensington Church app, which Marie and I use. You can do it online. Uh, you can write a check. Uh, or drop into the offering. If you, if you still write checks, Marie and I do online giving. Many of you do too, but if you're writing checks, that's, that's great. Uh, this would be one thing I'd love to get to this point one day in our life, but giving of stocks and bonds or mutual funds, uh, and it's a double tax advantage, it says here, uh, that we do have some folks that do that sometimes too. And, and just another one, it's even texting that you literally can text in to give. And again, uh, you say, I, I, is this all about money? No, not at all. This is about love. This is about agape love. This is about loving elderly people halfway across the world that everyone's forgotten about. This is about Bob. So Bob and his family that was splintering and ripping apart and that people forgot about. This is about our middle school kids over in the program right now that, that we're telling that God dreams really big dreams for you. This is about your marriage that might be falling apart that God says, press into me with this. I can fix this. This is for those of you right now that are feeling hopeless, that we want to be beacons of light in a hopeless community, in a hopeless place in this world, the way it can feel, even though it's supposed to be, right, the most wonderful time of the year, that it can feel hopeless. And we're saying we believe Jesus Christ brings a form of love and power and light and, and, and hope and, and to our lives that nobody else could. It's why we give. It's why we give our lives to this. And I would say this, if this place has been any kind of impact to you at all, any kind of impact to friends that you know, or maybe right now you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got family or friends that need to come and hear this message of hope. This is why we do what we do. It's not just about giving, it's about generosity, it's about love, it's about love winning, it's about love overwhelming hopelessness, like Steve said at the beginning of that video. So I just ask you this, that this season that you know this more than anything, is that we love you and we say that a lot around here, but God does love you. He cares for you in an unconditional way. He loves you more than you could imagine. And for those that have walked into this place that feel hopeless and you feel down and you feel broken and you feel hurt and you feel like love has forgotten about you or love has given up on me, no, it hasn't. No, it has not. Love will never give up on you when it's coming from Jesus. Love is unconditional. Love is unstoppable. Love is agape. In this moment, Hayden is going to lead us and the worship team into a song that many of us know. Come, let us adore him. But what's so significant about it is the reason that we even have the ability to sing, let us love God or let us adore God, let us adore Jesus, is because in Scripture it says this, that God first loved us. 
the ability even that we have to love is because God loved us first. So I pray in this place, in this moment, as we respond, whether we stand or we sit or whatever we do, I pray this, that your heart would be filled and know that God loves you more than anything in this world, especially at this time around Christmas.
in the chorus again. You know, come all ye faithful and bow before our Savior. Come let us adore the one who came for us. Glory in the highest. Praise the name of Jesus. Our King is come. I love that what we share in this place is about a love that came for us, not us seeking love. This is what's so amazing about Jesus is in this season of this day that we celebrate Christmas, it's a story of love leaving heaven and coming for you and I because it loved us. It cared for us in an unconditional and unstoppable, in agape kind of way. That kind of love. I want to encourage you as you get ready to leave this place before we close in prayer that may God put in your heart that you are loved as you come back even for our Christmas services that God would even maybe put on your heart somebody that you could invite a family or a friend because here's the truth about this world it's hard it's difficult it's painful it's a lonely place without Jesus's love and so our hearts and prayers as we prepare and we make way for this Christmas coming up is that it could be a place that you could bring family you could bring yourself you could bring friends you could bring whoever that they could find hope they could find agape love in their own life this is why we do what we do because we believe the world is a lonely abandoned place without Jesus but with them, dreams are made possible in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now, as we close out, we really don't close out, but we prepare our hearts, God, for what we're going to celebrate literally just several days from now. God, may you put somebody on our heart so strongly we can't help but invite them to bring them, even if it means taking them to dinner or, or going out with them this week to be able to connect with them and to bring them here. Jesus, they could have your hope. God, we love you. May you May you fill our hearts with hope. May you fill those that are far from you with hope when they come to this place. In your name, Christ, we ask. Thank you for loving us. And everybody had said, amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a wonderful day. And by the way, I wanted to let you know too, if you have any interest in staying after a little bit, we're going to be putting together our Christmas set afterwards. If you've never been part of that, it's an incredible thing to be part of. So we've got pizza. Our staff will be here. Pizza's always great, right? And uh, you can come and help us do that. We love you guys. Have a wonderful day. We will see you and your friends and family around Christmas time.